The Leafs get the win in Washington. And is Austin Matthews your front runner for the MVP? We'll discuss both those things on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, and join me is Dave Morissuti. I'm from TSN 1050 and Dave from Sportsnet, and we are joined by Tony Ferrari. Tony's just a jack of all trades. Run through the gauntlet of what you've been up to now, because you've picked up a whole bunch of jobs over the course of the last, like, six months here. Uh, mostly just doing random podcasts and stuff, but most of my stuff is at the Hockey News and Sports Illustrated, so you can find all my stuff there. Yeah, and Tony's an absolute treat. We haven't had him on the podcast in way too long. Last year, you were like a weekly fixture on the show, but you've just gotten so busy. <laughs> you don't care about us anymore. I'm and, doing uh, too much now. I'm too busy. Got, I know. You got so much going on. But you threw out a tweet today about Austin Matthews. So I was like, you know what? Let me reach out to Tony and see if he, if he wants to get, uh, get in on today's podcast and see if he can make his pitch for why Austin Matthews is the front runner right now for the Hart Trophy. So that conversation will be coming up in just a little bit. But obviously, you know, like we do every single day here on Lockdown Lease, your daily Maple Leafs podcast, which you can get for free wherever you get your podcast from. We got to break down this game that just happened right now. Maple Leafs with a 5-3 win over the Washington capitals uh tony you're the guest so i guess we'll we'll start with you here um you feeling a little bit better about this victory than maybe you did saturday in in that chaotic w against detroit oh man that that was a game i I, it's kind of one of those games where you just go you know what that happened and you just move on you don't think about it too much because uh, i mean how many other 10-7 games have we seen in the nhl this year right so it's not a a regular thing and hopefully you just kind of Really just worry about Jack Campbell after that one. But this one, they they pulled it out again. They they kind of let a little two-goal lead go at the end towards the end of the game there. But Rasmus Sandin scored the the late goal to to win to go up one goal. And I mean, man, the Leafs are entertaining if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a couple of things that I wanted to see out of tonight. I mean, I obviously wanted to see the win and I want to see a much better performance out of John Tavares specifically. And I thought that he delivered. Like, that was one of the things that I was kind of t- keeping an eye on to see what happened. He didn't score. He came close, hit the bar late in the game. So it came really close, but didn't break that. What's he up to now? 13, 14 games without a goal. It's yeah. it's getting up there. It's, it's getting up there. It's getting dicey. But uh, I thought that he did have a, a real solid game, though. Um, he was responsible in his own end. He obviously set up a couple of goals, did have two helpers. So at least it seemed like John Tavares uh, may be turning a corner here and starting to produce again. Yeah, it's starting to seem like it. He, I mean, and we're all on him about the goals, and that's kind of the big thing. We've seen him score 45-plus goals as a Leaf uh, in his first year, and then he's been an excellent goal scorer every, every year of his career outside of that one even. So you're kind of concerned about the stretch of no goals, but at the same time, he's still putting up, I think he has 10 assists in his last 13 games or 11 assists in his last 13 games with the two tonight. So it's like 
yes, he's not scoring goals, but he's still finding ways to get on the score sheet, and he's still playing John Tavares' reliable hockey. And you saw that today, especially on that last goal, where he got in behind the net, stripped the puck, sent a pass out to Justin Hall, who had the game of his game of the year for him, oh, yeah. and who set up Rasmus Sandin for the goal. So, man, you, you got to love John Tavares kind of pr- pushing through this this stretch of no goals, but. Yeah, it's a it's a rough one, and hopefully he'll get on the board soon. He looks like he's going to get there. He, he does, and, and Dave, I'm going to get to you and your thoughts on this game as a whole in just a moment. But you mentioned Justin Hall possibly having the game of of, of the season, maybe the game of his career. Very well, could have been that. Had a goal and assist, uh, two point night. He was very well responsible defensively. Why is it that Justin Hall seems to play better hockey without Jake Muzzin, Tony? It, 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 a year ago, that just seems like an oxymoron to say, but now. This is pure fact, pure fact, because when he got injured a couple of weeks back from that first concussion, Hall and Sandine were actually playing good hockey together. And now again, Hall away from Muzzin playing with TJ Brody. They're playing some real solid hockey and Justin Hall is playing mistake free hockey. Why is it that he seems to be playing better without Muzzin? I'm going to take the credit here because it seems like every time I come on the podcast, I have to praise Justin Hall, who's not a player I particularly love, but he has a good game almost every time I come on. But no, like you said, he's been playing pretty well the last couple of games. And you you mentioned he's been paired with TJ Brody tonight. And I think that was a big factor. I think what the strength of Hall is, he's an excellent complimentary defenseman, but he can't be a guy that really bears even 50-50% of the load. He's he's a guy that if, if you're relying on him for 35-40% to of the load defensively, he's perfectly capable of that. And he can move the puck. He's efficient. He's He's a capable supplementary defenseman on that second pair. But when Muzzin's kind of played teetered off this season, and we've all seen that, we all kind of love Muzzin, but he's not been great this year. So now with Muzzin out of the lineup, you put him with TJ Brody, who's had this defensive track record for years and years. And now he's got that, he's able to dial his game back and only take on 35 to 40% of the load. And TJ Brody's allowed to do a lot more defensively. And then Justin Hall can do what he does and move the puck efficiently and kind of just do what he does. And you saw that on the last goal where he was able to get up into the play. You saw that on his goal tonight where he was, he scored from inside the net basically. So when he's able, yeah, when he's able to not have to be like a real difference maker defensively and can just be that supplementary guy, I think that's where he excels. And and we saw that tonight and we're seeing that in a couple games that he's been without Muzzin. Dave, uh, what was your, what was a couple of takeaways you had from tonight's Leafs five through win over Washington? Well, I mean, just to piggyback a little bit off the Justin Hall commentary, like seeing him getting up in the play a lot more than like he's he's usually a guy I you see get up in the play, but I think in this game he really started to venture more with that. I don't know if it was because TJ Brody was his defense partner and he felt more inclined to do it. And I mean, again, that top line continues to be uh I think, you know, everyone was talking about Calgary and like that being the top line hockey. I think this is one of the more well-balanced lines in hockey because you've got Austin Matthews who showed, you know, maybe maybe we got to get the pads on him once in a yeah. while. Because, I mean, that that play he made to stop the, that goal or potential goal was just like that, that just shows you know the IQ of that line to all contribute in different ways. And the balance that that line has, I think that was really the big one for me tonight. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, why don't we go through our three stars of the game and kind of whip through those uh, really quickly. We've mentioned a, a few of them, but uh, Tony, why don't you go ahead, give us your three stars, and then Dave and uh, Dave and I can kind of go afterwards and give our thoughts. 
All right. Well, my third star is going to be Rasmus Sandin. He got the goal like at, late in the game when it mattered most, and he didn't have the best game defensively. I thought there were a couple lapses, but he's a guy that's starting to come into his own offensively, especially in this in this league. And I'm really loving his game. And then go with the second star. I'll give it to the captain who had just a, a hard working game. He got the two assists. He, he was a key factor on that third goal on that fourth goal. Sorry, that Sandin scored. It doesn't happen without him getting in, in deep and then getting the puck away from two capitals. The Nylander goal too. The hard yeah. work we did on the Nylander goal too, right? Win the draw and then have to win a board battle and get it back to, to like he was really instrumental in both of those goals tonight. He yeah, worked that, for those assists. No phantom assists. He worked hard for those. He got them. And that's just it. John Tavares is a guy that excels in small spaces, and he he showed that tonight, and he got two assists on it. So he needs to get get a goal, but I'm still not going to complain. Like I said, I think it's 11 and 13 assists. So. He's still not not too bad of a player at the end of the day. And then number one star, I, I got to give it to the guy who's been struggling all year that has a great game every time I come on the podcast, and that's Justin Hall. The goal, the assist, like especially that assist. That assist was so nice. He fakes the shot. Uh, Vanacek goes down to his knees, and then he sends the pass across the ice. There's no chance. And, and I mean, the shot almost gets blocked but still goes in. Uh, you can't complain about Justin Hall's game tonight. If you're Vitek Vanacek, though, like how do you bite on that? I mean, like Justin Hall, that's the the threat that you're going to bite hard and make sure that you're putting 100% like all your eggs in that basket. You're not going to maybe <laughs> think to somebody who could be coming down the flank. I mean, Austin Matthews was on his way to the net. Our boy Carl just happened to get there first. And uh, that I thought that was kind of bizarre. It's like, that's the one you're going to. You're gonna bite on Justin. All right. I cool. mean, he's he already scored on him, so he was scared. He showed the intimidation. I guess so, and and that's what happens when you score, right? Well, no, because his goal wasn't on Vanacek. It was on. Oh, uh, yeah. It was on Samsonov. Never mind. He was no, just intimidated no. in general. Well, Vanacek was actually <laughs> terrific, right? Like this is the yeah. second game that they were able to chase the goaltender. Did it in Detroit, and then they did it here. But Vanacek was real solid once he came in. Like didn't allow anything until that goal with. What was it like so five minutes left in the game? Yeah. Like it was pretty late in the game when they finally broke through on him. Um, but yeah, a really smart play by Hall though to realize like oh he faked or he he bit. I'm gonna cross it over to uh, to Rasmus who's kind of coming in and had a basically an open net and and didn't uh, didn't miss there. Those happen to be my three exact three stars as well. Like one, two, three. Hall, Tavares, Rasmus, Sandine, and it's been a while since we've had three stars of the game and none of them be the guys up on the top line, bunting Matthews and Marner last I checked or last I saw, I, I'm going to check right now Did Matthews end up getting a shot on goal. Cause there was uh, like nope. through the first 55 nope. minutes of the game. He did not have a shot. He did <laughs> not finish with a single shot on goal tonight. Not to say that he was an all like he was bad, but didn't have a single shot on goal. That that might not bode so well for your MVP. <laughs> uh, oh, I'll be season. fine. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be fine. But I think it's nice um, on a night where, and what it really says to me is, on a night where that line uh, wasn't, you know, scoring 15 points like they did <laughs> the other day, but on a night where they don't have, you know, as much production or as much, you know, dominance as they've typically had, it was nice to see some depth show up and, and, you know, get some offense. You get two goals out of your blue line, which has been inexistent all season. Dave, I asked you this the other day, if you thought that was a concern 
and how it's even more glaring when the second line isn't going either. The fact that they're getting nothing from the blue line and they're just relying solely on that top line. No, they did score bunting at the first goal of the game. But then after that, it was really just the depth that picked it up. You got those two from the blue liners. You got Engvall with the empty netter. And then Willie ends up getting himself a, a goal as well. So, you know, the depth I thought really stepped up today as well. This And, and that, I think, is a reason why you look at the three stars for, for myself and Tony. Dave, you can tell us yours in a second. But they're not the top three guys who they've been for the last better part of, you know, a month and a half. Impressive stuff. Dave. No, I, I literally had the same three stars as well because you look at the guys who really had an impact on the game and on the result. And, you know, I, I think this was an important game for John Tavares just because the heat has really started to turn up a lot more on him. Like before it wasn't as much. And then you really starting to hear it come through more and more reporters are asking about it. So it's really going to get into him. And I think for him to come out and have a performance like this, when we know he's kind of dealing with a bit of a flu bug as well, like this just shows that he's not, he's going to put forth the effort. It's just now needs a little bit of luck to go his way. So I I think this is where I think people kind of underrate John Tavares a little bit. Like he he's, his effort is undeniable. Like he doesn't take many ships off. I think this was a perfect example of what the type of impact the Leafs are paying him to have. Um, quote coming out here from Sheldon Keefe on the game of John Tavares. Uh, this is Sheldon Keefe. He said, quote, he was excellent. He hasn't been feeling 100% for sure. It's taken a little bit of time to get through this little bug that's been going around. His play on the Willie goal and then ultimately that game winner to get that puck to Halsey. An unbelievable play by Justin Hall and then the finish by Sandy. But yeah, John, I thought, was really good today. He hit the post. He looks to me like a guy ready to break out here, so it's really good. And I really hope that that is the case because um, that's that's nothing but positives for a Maple Leafs team because, I mean, despite how much you know, we cry on this podcast about how terrible the Leafs apparently are. Guys, they're only one point back of the Florida Panthers for the division lead. No games in hand either. And they got two games, two or three, three games, I think, against Florida remaining this season. So, I mean, if they can both go and tip for tat and then they just win that two out of three game series, Toronto can, you might be looking at your Atlantic division champs. Now, Tampa might have something to say there also. They've got some games to play too, but, um, you know, good things will happen if, if everyone's kind of firing on all cylinders. Uh, let's get to one of today's show sponsors before uh, before I let you go on about King Austin before you can crown him MVP to this point in the year. Um, but it's betonline.net. Football might be over the season, but basketball and hockey are in full steam ahead. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach is going to get going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked on Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Uh, along with me, my host, Dave Morissuti. And we've got our special guest, Tony Ferrari, uh, joining us today. Maple Leafs with a 5-3 win over the Washington Capitals. But as we kind of put a little bit of a close to this game, 
Let's chat about Austin Matthews and the MVP realities that may be at bay here when it comes to uh, when it comes to this guy. He's just on a, a whole nother level uh, this season, not only offensively leading the NHL in goal scoring, but also defensively and putting himself into that Selkie conversation. If you can put yourself into the Selkie conversation while also scoring more goals than anybody else on the planet, where does that lead you? Mr. Tony Ferrari, where do you think that leads you? I, I think it leads you to a heart trophy, to be completely honest. Like the, the way he's played this year, both offensively and defensively, it, it's been incredible. And, and at the end of the day, I think the big factor that's going to kind of prevent him from getting the Selkie trophy that I think he should certainly be in the conversation. I won't be shocked if he's a finalist for is the fact that he doesn't play on the penalty kill. If you played on the penalty kill and the Leafs have one of the best penalty kills in the league. And I'm assuming if you put Matthews out there instead of a guy like Pierre Engvall, you're not losing much. Um, so I, I think you're still gonna, ha he's still gonna be ex ex outstanding if he gets put in that role ever, but he hasn't been to this point, and I think that prevents him from getting the selfie nod. But the ability to score, not only in all situations, but specific specifically at five on five, he leads the league in almost every year that he's played a significant amount of games in five on five goal scoring. And, and this year is no different at even strength, he's got 25 goals, and the next closest is, is Kyle Connor and Dylan Larkin with 21. And at five on five, he's tied with Kyle Connor with, for 21. So it's it's not really a question of is he impacting the game at five on five because he clearly is. And, and you, a lot of people make the argument that, oh, he's not a guy that gets a lot of assists. He's a purely a, a Cy Young winner. He's a guy that always has more goals and assists. Yeah, that may be true, but he also is sitting third in the league in, in even strength points in general. So his, his assists are there. His assists are up this year. He's sitting fourth in the league in scoring, if I'm not mistaken, um, at the moment. Uh, yeah, it's tied for fourth in the league in scoring, and he's since, played a couple, couple less games. Since January 15th, Marner leads the league with 35 points, Matthews second with 30. So those guys are 1-2 in the league since January 15th. That's basically six weeks, um, and they've just been on a tear in the NHL. And it's not just Matthews scoring goals. It's him getting a lot of assists as well because you got Mitch Marner and Michael Bunting filling the back of the net as well. Yeah, and I, I think that's the big factor is he's able to kind of get the goal-scoring touch out of Marner. He's able to kind of let Michael – and I mean Marner plays a big factor in Michael Bunting being as good a scorer as he is as well. But a lot of the plays don't happen without Matthews, especially on the defensive end. We saw a couple games ago, not not against Detroit, nothing went well against Detroit, but the game before that, uh, two Austin Matthews goals, both came from defensive turnovers. He, he was able to kind of strip the puck in the defensive zone or strip the puck in the neutral zone and turn the play up ice, make a good play, and then get into a good scoring chance or or make the play towards the good scoring chance. The, the way he's impacting the game on both ends of the ice is absolutely incredible. Um, if, if you want to get into analytics, his defensive metrics are at the 90th percentile. His offensive metrics, is, as we already talked about, are obviously in the, the 99th. He's a guy that is scoring at a rate that no one else is doing in the NHL right now including guys like Alexander Ovechkin, including guys like Leon Dreisaitl, who everyone likes to talk about, and Connor McDavid. The the and, I mean, Chris Kreider's in there too, but I think we all kind of see that that's a little bit of a shooting yeah. shooting uh, shooting percentage bender and some impressive 17 power play goals. Yes. yes. But no, he's up there. He's leading the league still in goal scoring. He's leading the league in even strength goal scoring. He's up in the top four in, in total goal scoring, in total scoring. He's in the top three in, in even strength scoring. The way this guy is doing things in the NHL right now, he's absolutely asserting himself as the best player in the league at this point. Uh, with the way Connor McDavid's fallen off in the, the I mean, I don't want to say the second half of the season. And, 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 yeah, and that's just it. It's all a relative term, right? It's like yeah. falling off. But so, you know, a guy who only averages a point per game. Oh, what gosh, is what a loser. Acceptable. 
<laughs> no, and that's just it, right? Like we talk about Austin Matthews' hot streak right now. Well, Connor McDavid had his hot streak at the start of the year when he was on pace for like 170 points at one point. And he now like Austin Matthews. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So we're seeing Connor McDavid slow down and we're kind of regressed to the mean. And we're seeing Austin Matthews regress to the mean after he had kind of a, a little bit of a slow start, even. So the way that this guy's played this year, in my opinion, it's a two horse race for the Hart Trophy right now between him and Igor Shesterkin, who's absolutely willing the New York Rangers into the playoffs. But yeah. it's going to be fun to watch because at the end of the day, we still have. 25 30 games left for almost every team and Connor mcdavid can score quite a bit in that time so i'm certainly not taking him or even leon dreisel out of the conversation because at the end of the season we're going to see Connor mcdavid up there with 125 points and you're going to see matthew's challenge or topping 100 and leon's going to be 115 or something like that so it's going to be a ton of fun and it's going to kind of come down to where the complete game is i think a lot of old school hockey guys like to go oh you need to play the complete game you need to be physical you need to be defensive austin matthews has done both of those things this year he's impossible to get off the puck so it's it's fun to watch and i think right now this is the year he's going to win that heart trophy and I really think it's two things for this race. One is health, because, you know, Austin Matthews has always had the 50-goal capability. He's just never been able to stay healthy enough to get there. And the other thing is Edmonton is in a dogfight to make the, try to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, I don't see how you can give Connor McDavid, put him over Austin Matthews. That's That's usually the first argument for a lot of people when they're trying to vote on the MVP is how did the team finish? relative to how the player performed i i'll be honest with you here and 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 you know he may end up like the the mvp might end up going to a guy like igor shesterkin and and that may end up happening and i'm with you i think at this point those those two players right now are 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 the front runners like a 1a 1b it's so close between those two if i had to submit a ballot probably kill mccarr would be my third guy i don't even have those edmonton guys (laughs) on my top three ballot right now but where i think and this is a bit of a take where I think a real interesting conversation that could be had this year is who do you think is more worthy of the Ted Lindsay award? Because that's one I think would make some shockwaves if Austin Matthews wins the Ted Lindsay this year, which right now I think I would give it to him. Yeah, I could see that situation definitely going down. I could see, because we saw a few years back where Nathan Kinnon probably should have won the Hart Trophy. He was clearly the most valuable and best player in the league, but Taylor Hall got it because he willed this team into the playoffs. He willed the New Jersey Devils there. So I could see a world where Igor Shesterkin wins that Hart Trophy because he is having just an absolutely ridiculous season this year. And then Austin Matthews wins the Lindsay as the best player voted on by the players. And and you're kind of seeing that, that trend over the last few years. You're seeing a guy like Connor get that Ted Lindsay award, not despite not getting the heart or something like that. So it's going to be interesting to see at the end of the year, because I think both guys deserve some hardware. So if that's the way it shakes out, I don't think that's too bad of an issue. Yeah, absolutely. But if you do want to make a little bit of a wager, you can get these odds right now over at betonline.net plus 350 for Austin Matthews. He's second best odds. McDavid first best odds at plus 275. Igor Shosturkin plus 700, which I think is terrific value. I was able to get it uh, that get in on that a little bit earlier. I got it last week at plus 1500. I like those odds. I like Igor Shosturkin, but Austin Matthews is definitely going to have uh, a give him give him a run for his money. That's that's for sure. Should be a real treat the rest of the way. Assuming that again, to your point, Dave, health. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to play a full eighty-two because you're right. He's perennial perennially on pace to surpass fifty goals, but he's yet to do it. He's yet to do it. But assuming ha- uh, good health, 
This is the year. He passes Rick Vive, and he'll just absolutely set the league on fire the rest of the way. And um, especially if this team ends up winning the division, I think it's it's locked up. They win that division. They win the conference. I think it, it could be locked up there for, uh, for Austin Matthews. All right. Why don't we uh, take one more quick break? And when we get back, Tony, you're a prospects guy, right? You're, you're writing prospects for the Hockey News, Sports Illustrated, big-time draft guy. Um, why don't we discuss some of the prospects in the Maple Leaf system in terms of maybe their – what they could be worth value-wise on the trade market. I think that's the conversation that a lot of people want to know. Yes, we've heard names like, you know, Topi Niemela and, and Nick Robertson, who's played in the last couple of games, and, you know, Roni Irvinen and and obviously uh, Matthew Nye's another big one of late. But what are they worth, and, and, and how good can they be? So I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. But before we get there, Dave, why don't you tell our good folks about uh, our friends from Rock Auto? Yeah, so this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why go through the hassle to try to go right to the source, you know, right to the manufacturers to get the parts? Because you know it's going to be a lot more expensive. So go with Rock Auto. You can choose this. You can save up to 30%, 50% over what the chain stores and the car dealerships offer. Rock Auto is a family business server serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliable for every customer. So go explore their easy-to-use website to find solutions to your auto parts needs. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us section so they know we sent you there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com welcome back into the locked on lease podcast i'm mike DeStefano alongside my co-host dave morasuti uh we're the hosts here at locked on leafs um a podcast in which you can download wherever you get your podcast from and now also virtually up on youtube and uh so you can check us out locked on leafs on youtube we're, we're getting up there man i think we're up over 150 subscribers now we've really started there's we're starting to, to catch we, on it's only been like a week. We're, we're, we're pushing we're tracking along yeah it's not bad it's not bad and I, I think we have to have a conversation here before we get into the discussion about the rookies and whatnot tony there's no blunt way to say this but you're one of my favorite bald people in the world okay? i appreciate that I like appreciate you're that. you're you're bald hockey man that is that's what it's all about for those of us that are on YouTube, you're taking a look at at another one of my favorite ball people in Dave. I was wondering there for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got to have a conversation. Tony, when did you decide, like, oh, got to bick it? And, and when uh, did you decide it was over? Because I think we're getting to a point with our good buddy Dave here where he's got he's to gotta realize it, he's got to own it, and he's got to bring out the bick at some point. What do you think? Well, I will say – embracing it is it was a very big moment for me um i did it when i was 24 or tw just before i turned 24 and it wasn't that it was getting super bad yet it wasn't noticeable but i was noticing it thinning and i knew where it was going knowing my family's pattern <laughs> of history and everything so i was like you know what i'm gonna embrace it now I, I let my girlfriend and my brother at the time shave it right in my parents kitchen and they just buzzed it down with a with a like an electric razor or whatever and i've only ever bicked it once and that was for halloween this past year i was mr clean <laughs> um there's a video out there of me shaking my ass like that so 
But no, I bicked it all, all down just that one time. That's not the look. Can't go that far. So I, I do just buzz it down with like just the razor. So there's like a little tiny bit of hair there. But yeah, embrace it. That's always the way to go. That's the way I always say. How you feel I usually today? embrace it in the summertime. Usually it's summertime because the last thing I want to do is have the hot weather like mess up the hair. So I usually go pretty close. I it, It's so hard. Like I if, if you look at family photos of my dad and my uncles, it's it's a disturbing trend. It's it's disturbing how eerily similar I've gone to that level. In in some in some way, like you're a little younger than us when, when this happened. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, that makes me feel a lot better. Oh yeah, and, and my brother right now, like he's he's a couple years older than I was when I started shaving mine off, and and now he's like starting to get there, and he's noticing it go. So he's just throwing all of his money into Bosley. He's he's trying oh, to keep his hair and everything and, oh, and i give him i give him credit because it, it has worked like a slight little bit but i'm like that's far too much money for me to invest the, they're shaving it off much cheaper and much more efficient for me you know my brother-in-law and my sister they're getting married uh in september and he's really thinning and it's coming quick he's starting to get it in the back there's a hole is starting to form and they just wanted to hold on till the wedding. They actually went out, bought supplements and like certain shampoos that supposed to make it healthy and try and make yeah. it hold on as long as they can. So they can get those perfect wedding photos. And then afterwards, I think he's going to have to have to realize and he might have to go ahead and, and you know, shave it all off and pick it. And, and Dave, I think you got to embrace it. I think you'd look good. Just uh, you got to get it done. Got to get it done there, pal. I will say this. The beard helps. It does help. Absolutely. My, my it's funny because the only uncle in my family who fully embraced the bald look has been pushing me to do it for a really long time. I think yeah. you should do it, pal. I think it, you should do it. Like you said, the beard helps. When I did the Mr. Clean, I shaved the beard off too. It was just a weird, creepy <laughs> look. Don't do that. Don't go full bald. You need something because it, it just looks messed up. What did the kids say? <laughs> they were terrified of it. They were like, Dad, don't do this anymore. It's, uh, oh, your head feels man. weird and I don't like it. Oh, man. That's funny. That's funny. All right. Let's get this thing back on the rails here. I, I just I knew I had to have that conversation. I felt like, Tony, you'd be a good inspiration to my good pal Dave here. So I am the expert of having no hair. So it worked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I want to have a discussion about the Maple Leafs prospects because there's this weird, um, you know, thought process with a bunch of Leaf fans that Kyle Dewis has traded everything and anything away and they have no, nothing in the cupboard. There's no prospects because they've had no first round picks over the last few years. And unfortunately the one first round pick that they have had Rodion Amirov experiencing a brain tumor. And, you know, we obviously wish nothing but the, the best and, and, give all our support out to him and hopefully he can fight that, um, you know, such a young age, but outside of, of him, there really hasn't been a first round pick since Rasmus Sandin. So you're, you're going a few years here without, uh, without success coming in the first round. And do they have the prospect capital to land a big fish out there? If the least want to go big game hunting and get a, a JT Miller, or if they want to go out and get, uh, you know, uh, a Jacob Chikrin or potentially swing a deal for a Mark Andre Fleury. If the goaltending seems to not be here right now, like do they have the prospect capital to get it done here? You think? I think they do because despite the fact that, like you mentioned, they haven't really had a, a first round pick since Sandine, 
they've still managed to stay in the top half of the league's prospect pools. And that's because they've been excellent at drafting deep in the draft. And I think that's part of their philosophy is they like to take swings for the fences. So they have a guy like Dmitry Evchinikov, who they drafted late. I think it's sixth or, sixth or seventh round. And he's been one of the best prospects in Russian junior hockey. And now he's come over here. He signed his entry-level deal and everything. So you're seeing other guys from deep in the draft. Ryan Tverberg had an, has had an excellent year. He's a guy that was getting Team Canada consideration. It was really impressive when he was at the Canada camp because he was one of the best players there. Pick. Seventh yeah. round pick, this guy. I think they, like, traded back into the draft to make that pick, didn't yep. they? Yep. Yeah, and that's just it. Like they they've drafted extremely efficiently. Uh, I mean, you even look back to the to trading back. Kyle Dubas' specialty. A couple of years ago, they traded back the pick that um, ended up going for Tyler Clevin, who, in my opinion, was not a top one hundred and ten, top one hundred and fifty even player in the draft. To be completely honest, and they traded. I think he went forty fourth, but they they traded back to get Topi Nimala and Ronnie Herbenen, who were two players who I had ranked inside of the top sixty. So. It was. It's just impressive to see the way they work the drafts, and, and they do have the draft capital because, like I said, they, they've got. I've named a bunch of players already, and I haven't even named Matthew Nyes. I haven't named Nick Robertson or Alex Steves, who's a guy that's emerged. And he's just a college free agent, so they're finding guys. They're an excellent scouting team, and, and they have the resources to go and, and get a guy from college or get someone from Europe and, and kind of make them a, a functional player in the NHL. Do you have a comment there, Dave? Well, and and I, I think you're right there, and and. Some are wondering if the Leafs are trying to because Nick Robertson's had such a a tough couple of years, you know, injuries and the pandemic taking he's away. Played, time. I think now forty games since the pandemic. Forty games. That's all he's been able to play because of injury and and the pandemic. It's not a lot for a guy who's nineteen, twenty years old who's trying to develop. It's very unideal, you could say, for his development. And some are wondering: Are the Leafs trying to showcase him? Are they just trying to see how he looks? In the big club, like, what do you assess yeah. the Leafs are trying to do with them? I, when they first called him up, I was like, this is the guy they're going to throw on that second line to try to get things going. And, and I, I still think that's, that's what they should do. But right now they're running him on the fourth line. And, and I mean, to their credit, he hasn't played exactly super well. He had a really good third period, I thought, tonight. And he had a couple turnover, like uh, takeaways that led to scoring chances. So the, the IQ is still there. The effort's still there. That's not an issue. I think it's just kind of getting used to the NHL level. But this is a guy that I think still has an incredibly high potential because his shot is ridiculous. He's got the offensive motor, so it's not like he's not working hard or anything. So I, I, I would love to see him have success at the NHL level, but I think they need to put him in a position to have success in the NHL level. Put him on the fourth line at the end of the day with Jason Spezza, who we all love him. There's no doubt about that. But he's still a 38-year-old, 39-year-old Jason Spezza. You put him out there with Wayne Simmons, and Wayne Simmons is our dude. We, we, we all love Wayne Simmons. He's our boy. But, like... They're not necessarily the players that you want to get a, a young prospect thriving offensively with. So if, I think if you put them with Tavares and Nylander, who I think both of those two looked really good tonight, despite the fact that they they didn't really dominate the game. They, they played solid and they got the goal and they, they, Tavares had the two assists and everything. So you look at that, those two, and you put the, him with them because they've had a rotating cast of characters on that second line right now. So put, put Robertson there, let him succeed. And then move Kasha down back down to the third line, move Engball down to the fourth line. And then you start to develop all this crazy depth that we've seen throughout the year by bringing just by purely putting Nick Robertson in a spot to succeed. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting what because if you do subscribe to the theory that they're showcasing him, you're not doing a very good job of doing that on yeah. the fourth line. But at the same time, at, at 20 years old, like if you're going to play him in the NHL, play him in your top six, especially when you're not 
happy with what's going on with the guys who played there, namely Alex Kerfoot. And he didn't play horrible tonight. And But I, I still think that Nick Robertson, I was with you when he first got pulled up. I was like, all right, good. Because Robertson's a bit of a spark plug player. Yeah. Like he, he can really energize a line. And if I'm Sheldon Keefe, like I look down the bench and I look at Willie, who sometimes can be a little bit inconsistent and a little lackadaisical and say, you're really going to get outworked by a 20-year-old out there? Why don't you pick your game up? You know what I mean? Like that's how I thought that that was going to go. But he's only playing, you know, 10, 11, 12 minutes, putting around on the fourth line with Spetson and and Wayne Simmons. And I think, yeah, the the – I didn't even notice him at all in Detroit, to be honest. Like, yeah, not even sure if he touched the ice. I don't think I heard his name called once on the broadcast. And then tonight there was uh, specifically the one play where he kept possession alive in the Ozone, knocked down a pass. And then I think Spezza or Simmons ended up getting a decent chance out of it, like late in the third period. But outside of that also, I haven't seen much. But is he in a, a position to flourish? I, I don't think he is also. So it's almost like... It's it's another it's just a detriment. Like wh- if you're just gonna bring somebody up for a fourth line, why not bring up Alex Steves or why exactly. not allow a guy you know Kyle Joey Clifford Anderson. or like, who's that Joey Anderson like someone Joey that- Anderson yeah like I don't quite understand what they're doing with Robertson like if they want to get a look at him they're not getting a fair shake or they're not getting a fair look they're not giving him a fair opportunity and if you're trying to showcase him. You're not doing a very good job either because he's not building value on the fourth line. And that's just it. I I think he can serve that Michael Bunting role. I don't think he's quite at the level Bunting is right now. I mean, Bunting's 26, Robertson's 20. Uh, Bunting's the oldest rookie ever. Imagine saying that six months ago. I know, right? And and, and, the thing is, like, Nick Robertson's still got to get used to the NHL and he's still got to get the strength to be in the NHL, whereas Bunting kind of has that now that he's a little bit older. But Nick Robertson still has this incredible upside, the incredible work ethic, and he can play that role on that Tavares line because Tavares will take on a little bit more of that muscle role when he needs to. So you get that energy, you get that creativity out there, and like you said, like that could be the position to succeed. But the, the rest of the prospect pool is deep too. Like They have guys that teams will be interested in for sure. So if you are Kyle Dubas at the deadline, um, where do you see the biggest need for this team at this point? Is it goaltending with what we've seen as of late? Do you still got to stock up on, on maybe one top four guy, maybe two top four guys? Do you think that you need to pinpoint somebody to put up in the top six to bolster that second line and bolster that, you know, offensive depth? Like if you are Kyle Dubas, how are you approaching the NHL trade deadline and kind of what kind of carrots are you dangling to make that happen? If I'm Kyle Dubas right now, first thing I'm doing is going down to uh, Sheldon Keith's office and I'm like, listen, you got a little bit of a cushy schedule coming up. It's not a, a ton of the big boys. Put Robertson in that top six. Let's see what he can do. Like we need to see that before we make any move because if that's not if Robertson's not going to be the answer there, then they need to find an answer there, I think. And whether that's getting Andre Kasha going on that line or doing something, you have to find something to get that second line going. So I don't know if it's a JT Miller. I think that's kind of a big move. I'd love to see it because it'd just be a ton of fun to see him on the Leafs. But uh, there's cap implications going forward with him as well and everything. So it's a little bit more of a, uh, a dream, a pipe dream situation. But if I'm having to pinpoint one spot, I'm not worrying about the goaltending. At the end of the day, Jack Campbell was an all-star. Peter Mrazek's an, uh, as worrisome as he is. He's an above-average goalie, I think. He's better than you at least use a the word. You use the word was and you use it correctly. And that's yeah. where the worry does come in, right? And that's just it. I, I think Jack will get on track. And hopefully he's the guy that over his entire Leafs tenure, 
we can either go, okay, what was his first 45, 50 games or what was the last five, 10 games? And even going in, in, I give him a little bit of a break for his December and January early struggles because there was like three games in 27 days or something stupid. It was a little ridiculous for him to be so inconsistently playing, but at the same time, you do need to see him get going and hopefully there's something that can work out. But I think at the end of the day, with what you have invested in net, you have to go, this is kind of it for us. Like unless we can move Mrazic out in the deal, I don't know if there's a deal there to be had in that. Um, as for the, the defensive depth, I'd like to see one top four defenseman. I think that's probably what they need. Um, I think Rasmus Sandin has proven that he can play in the top four when needed. But ideally, you'd love to see him and Leibushkin on the, on the second pair or third pairing, sorry. And that, I think that's an elite third pairing in the playoffs. I think Timothy Lilligren's proven that he can play somewhere in the lineup. And, and you go, okay, this Justin Hall just had a great game. Is this the point where we move him out of, as part of a package out? Because uh, I think you will have to move one defenseman out as well, because then you will have this kind of weird log jam. And, and then are you going to have Hall sitting out all the time? Or are you going to have a, a guy like Muzzin qu- kind of questioning his role or like Bushkin, who you just brought in? Um, so I think you, you find a top four guy with, with Hall going out, unfortunately. And Dermot, I think, is an option to go out as well, because he's kind of found himself out of the mix now that Lilligren and Sandine have kind of proven themselves to be clear top six defensemen on this team. And, and like I said, up front, I think it's a bit of a pipe dream to find someone uh, that's going to be a huge impact. But, man, I'd love to see a guy like Andre Cash get a role, a, a spot there, or Nick Robertson, and, and see what run they can get. Give them two or three games up there and see what they can do. And if there's chemistry, if there's movement, if there's like progress being made and, and, and play being driven properly, then I think those are the guys for your answer there. But for one spot, it's got to be the D spot for me. Imagine if they still had Mason Marchment. Uh, but can we can we really go on about that though? It's like the Carter Verhage thing. Absolutely, it's one of these things. On about it. Yeah, it's fine though. At the end of the day, like we had to move guys. Like we had to, and admittedly, the Marchment one was kind of a goofy one with Melgan not even being a factor anymore. But you know, for, for all the deals that Dubis has made in the trades, at least we're not talking about signings, but trades, Dubis has been a really good trader. So yes. you're going to lose a couple here and there. Yeah, he has been. I'm just, I'm just goofing. Uh, I, I always just because the guy has what two hat tricks this year and averaging yeah. a point per game. It's, it's incredible what that guy is doing. Considering he played him one game, scored a goal, and they're like, all right, let's move this guy. I was like, okay, that's so interesting. <laughs> but alrighty then. Um, another player actually, like a former Leaf who was dealt in a in a prospect or dealt in a trade that is averaging roughly a point per game in the new year. Can you guess who that player might be? Either I of you. No, I have no idea. I'm trying to think right now. Averaging a point per game in the new year. Yep. And he was dealt recently? He was dealt like within the Kyle Dubas era, yes. Oh, my God. But not Nazem Kadri. He's well over a point a game. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's not saying. the player that I'm referring to. Not the player I'm referring to. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you one guess each, and then I'll come out and I'll, I'll tell you the name. Oh, I mean, how many guys have been traded in the last I few years? <laughs> I'm blanking on all the trades outside of Nazem Kadri because yeah, I'm just upset been, about that one. <laughs> there's been so many moves like lately. It is Trevor Moore. Oh yeah, no, I, he's had a good year. Guys that they traded to the Kings. I was gonna say like it can't be Sean Dursey. So I'm wondering if it was like, okay, I, I, I you know what I, I it probably I did read about Trevor Moore, so I probably should have glued in on that. 
Yeah, I was looking up as like a week ago. I was looking up stats and and just seeing like what people have done since the new year. So this this statistic is a week old, but as of last week, he had 19 points in 21 games in 2022. Yes. Not too shabby. Not too shabby for a guy who we pegged as a fourth liner. I'm just looking right now. He in his last 21 games, he has 23 points. And he's averaging 17 minutes a night. There you go. There I would go. never yeah. thought of that when they traded Trevor Moore. No, no. And I think that's I think that's part of the thing too. Is a lot of times when they trade the Trevor Moores, the, the Mason Marchments, you look at the roster at the time and you're like, where does he fit in the roster? And you're like, we could put him on the fourth line, but is are we getting anything out of him on the fourth line? Or I, I think this is a big reason that Dubis is well liked among players around the league. Or do you go and find him an opportunity somewhere else? And I think that's is something he's done with a bunch of different players, including Trevor Moore and. At the end of the day, Mason Marchment, too. <laughs> and what you get back in turn. Well, here's the thing, though. You say that, but at the time when they trade him away, Andreas Janssen was in your top six. Go look at those two comparables right now. So you just, just made, it, yeah. made that move, right? You expected Janssen and Kapanen to be the much better players. And, hey, I also I thought that was going to be the case, too. I never expected for either Marchment or Trevor Moore to be anything more than fourth liners. And here they are averaging a point per game and Kasperi Kapanen struggling to stay healthy, struggling in, in you know, a middle six-ish role with the Penguins. And then Andreas Janssen got off to a hot start, but hasn't really been doing much as of late there. You know, it's, it's just, it is what it is. You're not going to bat a thousand as a general manager, but I think we're all in agreement that at the end of the day, Kyle Dubas has done a decent job, not only, you know, in his trades, but also he's done pretty good when it comes to drafting and uh, the cupboard is far from bare. And if they want to make a deal, they want to be able to make a move and go and get uh, a guy to help this team. He's got the picks and prospects to get it done. And now maybe even a lot of cap space as well to get it done, depending on what happens here with, uh, with Jake Muzzin, Tony really appreciate it. It's been a while since we've had you on the show, but man, it was good to have you on good chatting and uh, we'll have to do it again real soon. Yeah, but I always have to come on with you guys, and hopefully I'll have a little bit more open time for you guys because I enjoy coming on. Well, if we uh, if we do get a busy deadline where we see some of these prospects go, that probably sounds like a perfect time to uh, to reach back out and, and see exactly what what your analysis of the trade might be. Did we give up a future Mason Marchment? You let me know. Who do you think in the roster, right? Like if there's somebody right now who could be like that next Mason Marchment, who do you think that could be? Joey Anderson? Could Joey Anderson turn out to be that guy? I guess no, I don't think I don't think the ceiling's that high. But at the same time, I don't think I didn't think the ceiling was that high on, on Mason Marchman I mean. too. Um, I think the guy that honestly, from the prospect pool, if we're going to go even a little bit deeper in the younger terms, is, is a guy like Matthew Nyes. I think that's the guy. If you trade, that'd be the one guy I'd probably really regret. Him or Topi Nimala. Um, I think those are the two guys you really try hard to keep on. And, and then a guy like Ronnie Hervin, that's a great piece to move. A guy like Ryan Tverberg, sell high because he, he did have this great year and he was really, really good and really close to making the Team Canada roster for the junior team. So you look around the edges, just try not to trade off that tip. Yeah, but you, you never know who that guy's going to be, really. You and don't. it depends on the return too, right? No, oh, of course. If you're getting, you know, JT Miller, you probably are okay with parting with a, a Matt Nizer or Topi Nimala. 
Maybe yeah. not both, but yeah. you can give up yeah. one of those guys for uh, for a stud like that. Anyways, Tony, I uh, really appreciate taking the time to uh, to join us today, and, and we'll definitely chat again down the road. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. and receive daily latest content. You can check us out on YouTube, Locked On Leafs. Check us out on Twitter, at make underscore Canuck, at D underscore uh, uh, Morisuti at Locked On Leafs and uh, at the Tony Ferrari as well on Twitter. Tony, what are you working on? Uh, anything that you want to plug here for? Um, before you leave, uh, I had a fun article that was supposed to go out until the world came falling apart recently. So we've kind of put that on hold because it was a hockey super- or NHL rookie superlative. So it was kind of making fun of some of the rookies and Moritz Sider and uh, Cole Caulfield and guys like that, just poking fun a little bit, but also talking about how good the seasons are all having and, and whatnot. And, and then I've got uh, just other prospect stuff coming out. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe working on some, some NHL work to uh, maybe featuring Austin Matthews. So we'll see. Oh, and if you do, uh, we'll definitely have to read it, plug it, and uh, we'll pick you apart on the show about what you oh, had to say. I can't what wait. Uh, again, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to join us today. Uh, for Dave and Tony, I'm Mike DiStefano. Uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leaves.